This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. So we're in 2 Peter, we're back in 2 Peter, and we're in a portion of Scripture, this paragraph that we're in, we finally got to it last week, but there's so much in it, it's actually quite dense, it's quite rich. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole New Testament, where the Apostle Peter, writing by the Holy Spirit, begins in verse 5, just as a brief review, he says, and beside this, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So we began last week uh, unpacking this paragraph because we have this enumerated list of things that as Christians, every one of us, not just ministers, not just leadership, not just people in a position in a church, but everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ. We have this enumerated list of things that we should be adding to our lives. Amen? Amen. We ought to be taking it seriously enough and have a desire enough uh, to make these a part of who we are and what we are in Jesus Christ. And he begins with adding to your faith Virtue. And we talked about that last week, and I believe we even we uh, we moved on to both knowledge and to temperance. So we talked about virtue, knowledge, temperance, and it'll go on. We'll we'll move further than this in just a moment. But it's noteworthy, even in review, that the very first thing in this list is faith itself, and that's not something you can add to yourself. That is something that is the gift of God. It took that gift of God for us to even be born again. It took that gift of God for us to even believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so that first thing, that foundation stone of the Christian life, faith, that comes by God. It's the gift of God that comes by hearing, that comes by hearing the Word of God specifically. And so now having that, let us not be as so many others that just hit the brakes on our Christian growth right there and say, oh, okay, well, I've got faith and that's all that I need. I don't need anything else in my Christian life. Let's not be like that. Let's be hungry for the mysteries that are within the Word. Let us be hungry for all of the blessings and the resources that God Almighty would have us to possess and to exercise in our Christian life. And so right on the heels of that, he says to add to our faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. And, we, and without getting too much into review on that, we're called to that. And that's what Peter the Apostle said in the previous paragraph here in 2 Peter. 
he said that we're called to both glory and to virtue. And so it's part of the Christian life. It's part of the Christian experience. It's part of being a child of God to be virtuous, to both have virtue and to exhibit virtue. And there are many different virtues that we could talk about. We'll talk about them in the context of Scripture, not just the context of it, but, but as he reveals more and more of it in his word, then let's make it a part of what we are and who we are. So he says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And we talked about knowledge last week as well. We've got to add to our virtue knowledge. Not enough to just have faith. I'm not talking about in the context of salvation. I'm talking about in the context of a mature Christian life. Okay? It's not enough to simply have faith. We need to have virtue on top of that. It's not enough to just have virtue either. Because we need to have some knowledge with that, don't we? We need to have knowledge. And that's why we meet as often as we do. It's why we have Bible studies. And it's why we have church services and fellowships and things like that. That we may increase in knowledge, in our knowledge of God, which comes by the Word of God. So, well, I don't get my knowledge of God from the Word of God. God just reveals things to me. He just reveals things to me all the time. Okay. Well, those great revelations that you may claim to be getting from God, do they line up with His Word? Or are they just the product of a person's own imagination? So that's why being an independent believer is risky and dangerous and ultimately becomes, it ultimately becomes, you could say it becomes its own kind of trap, but it becomes unfruitful. Because when you've got someone who's just winging it and he's doing it all on his own, and he's got no leadership and he's got no fellowship and he's got, I would say, he's got no lordship either because if you don't have those first two, it's not long before you don't have the last one. You know, when you've got someone who's just an independent cat named in the name of Christ, those are the ones that tend to develop some of their own wonky ideas. Mm -hmm. And they run counter to Scripture, contrary to Scripture, and they end up leading a believer off uh, onto a path that's not good, isolates them, and, and worse, becomes something that they use to mislead others. Not because they have any malicious intent, but because they just... They don't, have a, uh, they don't have a well-grounded understanding of themselves. They have a faulty understanding of the word themselves, so they end up leading others astray. So add to your virtue knowledge. So all right, well, how do I add to my how do I add knowledge to my Christian life and to my Christian experience? Eat and devour the whole word of God. Participate in, be in Bible studies. Be a part of fellowships where you discuss the Word. I don't mean debate the Word. I mean you discuss the Word. It's a different spirit that's at work there between discussion and debating. People can sit down and have a mature Christian conversation and exchange viewpoints on the Word of God. Not that it's subject to private interpretation, but you know, here's a brother who's read it and they understand it this way. And here's a brother who's read it and he understands it this way. And one of them's right and the other one's not, so they just hash it out in prayer like a couple of civilized, spirit-filled Christians. Amen? There's a way to do that without turning into some hot-blooded, well, I'm not a heretic, you're a heretic type of things. Like, Whoa, that's not a spirit of unity. But engage in Bible studies. Spend time in the Word. Go deep 
Really, be willing to go deep, not just a surface level. Oh man, I got that Bible reading schedule that I'm supposed to be, I'm, I'm a month behind on that thing. Let me just rush through my week reading so I can get back on track. Not just that, but be willing, be willing to just climb down into the depths of the word for a while and in, in, in the self-improvement and the productivity world, okay, because I've followed some of that stuff. Self-improvement, productivity, how to be uh, how to be more efficient and how to use, utilize your time more wisely. One of the things that they talk about in, in those circles, one of the things that they talk about in those circles is something they call going deep. They talk about going deep. And going deep talks about deep work. It talks about getting into a kind of a workflow where you lose all track of time or, or, or you're only just barely mindful of time because you're engrossed in your task and it's not stressful, it's not like high pressure stuff at all, it's just you're all the way in your work and, and, and it, time is just flying by, the clock is just spinning around and you're, you're barely even aware of it. Well, certainly if we can work like that, we can study like that too, can't we? Certainly we can open the Bible and just lose ourselves in it. And the next thing you know, you know, it's like fall, it's, it's like, it's like going on a YouTube binge. Five minutes later, it's an hour and a half later. Certainly we can do the same thing with the Word of God, can't we? And when we can, when we do that, when we just shove off the laundry and the other tasks that need to get done, not to say that they're not important, but we can just push them off and fall down into the Word of God and just read and read and read. Now, some people listen more effectively than they read. Some people read more effectively than they listen. Whichever way works best for you in taking in the Word of God, then do it that way. There's a particular Bible app that I, that I often recommend, have many times recommended it. Unfortunately, it's not free, but those guys have got to make money too. But it is the, hands down, it is the finest narration of the Bible that you will find anywhere ever. They might make a better one later on, but until they do, Alexander Scorby has it hands down. It's King James only, and he reads it like a natural for the most part. And so, what, if, you're not, if you're not all that good at reading or it's a struggle to read, get Alexander Scorby's audiobook. You can get it on your smartphone, you can get it on iPhone, you can get it on Android. No, I don't own it or have any stake in it, so I'm not trying to pitch something that's going to put any money in my pocket. It's not about that. It's about getting the Word of God into our heads so that it can get into our hearts. Add to your virtue knowledge. And then he says, add to knowledge temperance. And I know at this point we're still kind of in review, so I only want to say a little bit about this and move on to the very next things. Add to your knowledge temperance. That's that self-control thing, okay? So, well, I tried doing that, and then I lost control. Well, what should I do? Well, get it back. That's what you do. You never stay down when you fall. All right? It's like rule, it's like rule number one or rule number two of the Christian life. You fall? Okay, well, what are you going to do? You're going to stay down? You're going to just quit? Throw your Bible on a shelf and walk away from this thing, go back to the sinner life? The Bible says that the latter end of such a person is worse than their first. And our first end was going to be pretty bad, wasn't it? That's why Jesus came was to save us from that. So, all right, you lost control. You gave up your temperance and you exploded or whatever. Or it was an outbirth of wrath or anger. Maybe some bad language came along with it. That stuff ought to be out of your heart. Pray the Lord help you with that. Kill and crucify that stuff. It can happen. 
Okay? And it is the Lord's will that it happened. Whatever. Get your temperance back. You get back up and you try again. It's the same thing as when you were learning how to ride a bicycle. And you fell off that thing and you skinned your knee and there was pain and there was tears. And maybe mom or dad were there to help you and maybe they weren't. But did it stop you from learning how to ride that bike? Certainly not. And there's a point in every Christian's life, and it's worth noting this, there's a point in every new Christian's life where God takes the training wheels away. He does. Now listen very carefully to this, okay? There's a point in every new believer's life where God takes the training wheels away. And what I mean by that is, a lot of times when a person first comes into the faith, there's a lot of I'm not saying it's always like this for every new Christian, but uh, a lot of times there's a lot of easy victory over sin because there's the rush of newness in your Christian walk. And there's blessing in that, and it seems like there's power in that too, but a lot of times that's just the training wheels on your life as God has brought a newborn into the spiritual realm, so to speak. That's you without sin. That's you born again. And so there's a lot of easy victory over sin. There's the rush of the newness of the Christian life and the, the newness of the Christian experience. The whole world has changed in your eyes and suddenly nothing is like it was and all of that's part of being brand new in the faith. But as you continue to grow, sometimes these battles start coming back that you thought that you had clean victory over forever. And you're like, man, what am I facing this temptation for? Last month, I was on cloud nine and this stuff wasn't even wasn't even close to vexing me. Those are the training wheels coming off. And I'm not trying to demean it or make it sound like anyone's new, uh, new Christianity is worthy of scorn or being looked down on. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there's a point where God is going to help us learn how to ride that bicycle without the training wheels. And that's why the Holy Ghost baptism is so critically important. Amen. Many have left off of that, or they've tried to represent it as being something that just happens by default. It doesn't just happen by default, okay? It's a separate work from salvation. It's a separate uh, work of grace. I need to clarify that. It's a separate divine work of grace, separate from salvation. It can come right on the heels of it, or it may not come till a year or more after that. It's all, it all depends on the believer, where they're at, the church they're a part of, what they preach and teach and what they believe. Nobody coached me on it. It just happened. Likewise, so many others, and I'm trying to put myself on a certain level, so many others have the same testimony on this, that the Spirit of God simply came upon them and came into them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave utterance. So, so, well, how do I speak in other tongues? Are you going to teach a class on how to speak in tongues? No. I can't teach you how to speak in tongues. It's not as the preacher gives utterance. I know some of them try to do that, but we're not all about that here. That's not good enough, man. It's got to come from God or it's no good. Amen? I want it from God. I want it from God. So, add to your knowledge temperance. And add to temperance, add to temperance, that's self-control, Add to self-control, patience. Oh my goodness, you're teaching about patience. What kind of a setup is this? No, 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 no. We can't be afraid. We can't be afraid of the word. <laughs> We've got to just be able, as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
to just let God have his way in our life. And this goes back to last, was it last Thursday's message? Thy will be done in me. That keeps coming up. Man, maybe we're going to preach that again. Maybe that's what the Lord wants. I don't know. Thy will be done in me as it is in heaven. And that ought to be the prayer on every one of our lips. Thy will be done in me. It's not enough just thy will be done on the earth, Father. Have at it. Are, are you done yet? How come the earth isn't perfect yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Thy will be done in you. Yeah. And thy will be done in me. Yeah. And then and that'll that'll help the Lord's will be done in the earth. Okay? And and yes, perhaps that speaks of, you know, more conclusive things that come with the end times as God wraps this thing up and, and institutes, he institutes his perfect reign and his kingdom upon the earth. And he'll do that in his time, okay? In the meantime, do we want earth to be more like heaven or more like hell? Amen. Thy will be done in me. Thy will be done in the world as thy will is done in heaven. I was meditating on that again um, earlier today. And so we'll see. And so add to your temperance patience. Patience. In your patience, you possess your souls. That's what Jesus said over in the Gospel of Luke. Patience is a profound and tremendous virtue to possess and to practice. And you got to remember, that's the thing about virtues, okay? All virtues are things that we practice as well as have. It's not just something we just have. You gotta exercise, practice it. And that's one way. And we said this, I think, I think we said this last week. When you were born again by the Spirit of God, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood washed across your life and took away every sin you ever committed and made you a new creature just like that, the seed of every single one of these virtues was planted deep down in your soul. It was planted in your heart, it was put in there. Well, how do we make seeds grow into the plants that they're supposed to be of? We picture this as a garden with good plants and good fruit. So what do we do with that? You, you turn a seed into a full-fledged fruit-bearing plant by cultivating it, watering it, keeping the weeds away from it that would otherwise choke it and take all of its resources, right? And that's what sins and distractions and weights and other things like that, that's what they do to all of the virtues. They choke them out and they, they make them unprofitable and fruitless, okay? So cultivate them, water them, practice them. Say, so, well, I'm not a patient person. Okay, but you have a seed of patience in you. If you're born of the Spirit of God, there is a seed of patience within you. Godly, God-given patience within you. Practice what little patience you have and you will find that it will grow. You will find that it will grow and it will become greater. Well, that sounds like it might be painful, but you know what? It may be. It may be. The Lord may be helping you develop your patience by allowing stressful circumstances and situations to come your way. You know, it's not just the devil that knows what your kryptonite is. The Lord knows too. But the devil will try to work that to your destruction. The Lord will work it to your strengthening and to your growth and to your continued improvement in Almighty God. He will help you to grow if you are willing to grow. Well, I'm not willing to grow. You know, I wish I had that poem. It's a parody 
on that, that Christian poem, Footprints in the Sand. So I know that poem. It's a very popular, very well-known poem among believers. It's hanging on probably, it's hanging on the wall of more Christian houses probably than just about anything else except crosses maybe. And it's that poem that basically goes, you know, one night I had a dream and I was walking along a beach and when I looked behind me, there was only one set of footprints in the sand and that, that puzzled me and so I prayed and said, uh, God, how come it is that you said you'd walk with me all the time and you'd never forsake me? And, uh, but there's times when I look back on my life walking along this beach that there's two sets of footprints. One's yours, one's mine, and one time, and, and then other times there's just one set of footprints. And, and the point of it is that the Lord speaks to the man and says, well, the times that you see one set of footprints is not when I, I did not forsake you. It's at those times that I carried you. And there's a, there's, that's a precious message. It really is. And it's a good message. And there are times when the Lord really does just have to carry us. And he understands that and we understand that. But there comes a time when you just need to stop being carried. Stand on your own spiritual legs. Amen. We've got to grow. We cannot stay babes in Christ. We have to grow into adolescents in Christ. And then from there grow into adults in Christ. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's the problem. That's the problem with not having the Holy Ghost is you end up staying a babe or an adolescent. And it's very difficult to grow into a full-grown adult in the Lord, spiritually speaking. But the parody of that poem speaks about you would not grow. You would not walk. Dare we share this? One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. And then some stranger prints appeared. And I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your <laughs> posterior. <laughs> because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand there I said that's not proper well there's a butt of a rifle the butt of a joke the butt of a pen applies just as much as anything else. To the pure, all things are pure. Amen. And so there's a lesson in that for us, tying into these virtues that God would have us to grow in our lives. Add to your temperance, patience. And so to add patience, practice the patience you have. Trust me, life and the Lord and the enemy will send plenty of opportunities your way. He'll needle that one sore spot that you have until, you, until it finally is no longer a sore spot. Until it kills the nerve or you just get some callus over it. There's a lot of Christians that need to grow some calluses over their precious little sensitive feelings. They really need to. And now you know me. You know me as a pastor. I am not abrasive. I am not ultra controlling. 
all right? I, tend to, I try to handle things as delicately as I can because I don't want to offend any of the Lord's children in challenging them beyond what they think they can rise up to. But rest assured, you will be challenged. And as a part of this church, you will be challenged. You'll be challenged to grow and become greater than you are today, greater in the Lord, greater in maturity, greater in virtue, greater in all of these things. So add to your temperance patience. Well, what works patience? Tribulation, plain and simple. That's what works patience in us. Now, there may be other things that work patience as well. Perhaps practice is one of those things. Practice extraordinary patience all right when that one thing that just gets your goat comes up against you again remember the lesson say no I'm not going to rise up in wrath and in anger and in angst and all of that I'm not going to shake my fist at that driver that cut me off well purpose in your heart expect to be tested whether it's that or something else, whether it's the person, whether it's the cashier at the Walmart who's well into her 90s but can't retire and is so slow it makes you want to pull your hair out. You know what? Go to that lane on purpose. Go to that lane on purpose if that's the thing that gets your goat and it tries your patience. And force yourself. He tells us here, the Apostle Peter says, you add this to your faith. You add this to your faith. Add tears, you put in the work and the sweat. God will do his part in giving you the opportunity and in giving you the grace and the power and the strength and the ability to do it. But you practice that extraordinary faith. Amen? And you'll see that that faith or that, you'll, you practice that extraordinary patience and you'll see that patience will grow on its own as you practice it and add to your patience Godliness. Godliness. Now that's one of those words that we read in Scripture and it's like, oh yeah, Godliness. You know, the only time you ever encounter it outside of Scripture is in those quaint little, those quaint little sayings that people have stitched into their daybed pillows, you know. Cleanliness is next to Godliness. Okay. Sure, I, I, I guess. Is that in the Bible? No, no, it's not. It's just one of those things that became a saying somewhere and spread throughout you know, our culture. But godliness speaks of being godly. What's that mean? Being like God. Do we want to be like God? I really want to be like God. You know, if you had a good dad, especially if you were a boy, Okay. If you had a good dad, you usually wanted to be like your dad, didn't you? That sort of thing tends to be naturally built into all boys that are born into the world. They think their dad is bigger than life. And dad is awesome. And dad is cool. I want to be like dad is. And I remember imitating that back around the age of six. You know, he was in the Air Force at the time. And so every day he got up and he put on this sharp blue uniform, you know, dark blue trousers. They looked good, they were sharp, they actually fit, and they worked, you know. And he had this light blue uniform shirt and a name tag, and he had like stripes out to next week, because I think by the time I really took notice, he was wearing four, five, six, he was wearing at least six or seven of them, you know. So he had full forearm, full of stripes, and, 
and all these multicolored ribbons on his shirt that meant something to people that know what that means and just doesn't mean <laughs> anything to anybody else. It just looks like, oh wow, another South American dictator, you know. If you have enough of them on there, it just kind of looks like that. You know, his uniform looked good, it looked sharp, and he put that on every morning and out the door he'd go uh, to go work his job. So sometime around the age of six, you know, I had, just because it was part of my wardrobe, I had a light blue short sleeve shirt. It was the 1970s, and I just had this thing in my wardrobe. And so I made these stripes out of paper and crayons. I drew <laughs> these stripes on paper and I cut them out. And I, and I taped them to my sleeves. Why? It was stupid. It was silly, sure. But I wanted to be like my dad. Because my dad was awesome. He was bigger than life. And he wore a cool uniform. And he was dad. He could do things. And we ought to be the same way. Spiritual sense, shouldn't we? God is our father. Should we not want to be like God? Full of not just power and eternal life you know sure those are the two big easy ones that everybody can say oh yeah well that's what i want so if that's what being like god means and yeah that's what i want no it's so much more than that how about how about having his character amen how about having and exhibiting his virtue you might think you, you might immediately want to just try to dismiss this as pie in the sky it's not. It really is not. Because if we're born from above, which the Bible says we are, okay, as Christians, and if we're born of His Spirit, and if we are called the sons of God, daughters of God, children of God, just call it that, okay? If we are called the children of God, we ought to want to be like our Father. And if that means being more patient than we are today, then that's what we need to be. And if that means being more temperate, than we are today, then that's what we need to be. And it means being godly. Yes. Godly in our character. And one of the problems, not say problems, one of the obstacles, let's just call it that, okay? Or you can call it a problem because you can solve a problem, you can overcome an obstacle. Forgive the word games, but I'm just trying to make this as clear as we can. One of the obstacles to connecting with that word godliness right there, okay? One of the obstacles to that is that it's poorly defined in our minds, isn't it? Oh, God knows. Okay, I guess that means I'll take a shower more often because we still think <laughs> cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, it's good to shower often, so certainly make that a practice, but that has nothing to do with godliness. It simply means being like God. And so how can we be like God if we don't know enough about God? We don't know much about God. So I'll say it again. Devour the Word. Yes. Old Testament, New Testament. I got a phone call today from a family member. They were looking for some counsel. What book next? And, uh, and, and I'd sort of been helping them out with this off and on for the last year or so. And so I said, all right, we'll go ahead and head on over to First and Second Timothy and then Titus and then Philemon or Philemon. I don't know how to pronounce it. People pronounce it different ways. Because those are all personal letters. Those were letters written by the Apostle Paul to individual people, not to a whole church. But don't make the mistake of thinking that they're just for them. It's like, no, no. There, there's stuff in there for all of us. 
And so, devour the Word. Devour the New Testament first. Eat the Gospel. Eat the letters of the Apostles, the Book of Acts. Eat them all. Read the Revelation. Don't be afraid of the Revelation. You're not going to understand all of it the first time through. Don't even try. Just read it. Take it all in. Take it literally, okay? Because things that are symbolic will tell you that they're symbolic, and they'll almost always, if not always, they'll give you the, their own interpretation, okay? Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid of it. Read it. Yes. Read it again. Go back into the Old Testament. Read the law. Read the historical books. Read the prophets, the, old, the, the major prophets, the minor prophets. Read the books of poetry. Read the Psalms and the Proverbs and the Song of Solomon. Oh, not the Song of Solomon. Yeah, read the Song of Solomon. There's something in there spiritual for you. There really is. Learn all about God you can yes. from the Word of God. Yes. Don't worry about all these other books. I think we said that last week, didn't we? Do yourself a favor. Put your commentaries on the shelf. Don't even mess with commentaries. Not now. Get the Word of God in you first. Don't worry about what Billy Graham said about this book or what Billy Sunday said about this other book. And I'm not knocking either of them, okay? Put away those other books. Don't even worry about the Pilgrim's Progress for now. Good book to read. I highly recommend it. But not right now. Focus on the Bible until your mind is saturated. It's saturated with the Word of God because that, that, brothers, sisters, that is the filter through which you must see the whole world and all of your life's experiences. And then, then sure, you can pick up a commentary here and there. You judge that commentary by the Bible. Don't judge the Bible by that commentary. Amen. Or read some book by someone else. Devour the Word. That's how you learn about God. And then knowing about God Add to your patience, Godliness. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving.